Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. All right, here we What's are. It's Don't Die number two. Woohoo! Bob and Chuck, and See? um, and you know the thing I want. I just keep trying different ideas of what will get through to drug addicts these days. That. You know, it's not the end of the. You should a. You shouldn't go to rehab a million times and treat it like a Motel Six. You should either use or fucking get clean or have some contemplation. Meaning, you should really seriously think about: Do you want to stop taking drugs or not? Not just go because you don't have a place to live. And I think you and I both work in treatment. We're seeing a lot of kids. They just use it like, uh, like a platinum American Express card to go to get a nice place to live for a while instead of like a life-changing thing. And so I think outside the box, I think when I was 19, what was I obsessed with? I was obsessed with this. It's called literature. It's called Baudelaire. It's Baudelaire's it's Flowers of Evil. It's, it's about the truth of being addicted to, to, to absinthe, actually, and alcohol. And it's about the real-life adventures of... Baudelaire, some of his friends, Voltaire, um, Rimbaud. And these guys were drug addicts way ahead of their time, like before 150 was, years before ago. Before it was cool. Before it be, no, before it was Big Pharma inspired, wow. before it was corporate America. And what their lives were like is described in books. In, in this book, Flowers of Evil by Baudelaire, and Rimbaud's poetry. And it's just a series of torturous adventures of the drug addict and and part of the education that i got that all my friends who were drug addicts got through music and literature and movies young people are not getting that i never thought i'd live in an age where people would think of themselves rebellious but you know like so many young people do they think they're you know rebellious and they're you know doing antisocial things and they're and they're angry and frustrated and whatever, and be so compliant to corporate America, whether it's in the music of Beyonce or the 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 big pharma of Seroquel and Neurontin and Depakote, that you just bow down to corporate America and suck the dick of corporate America, Whoa. all the while thinking of yourself as a rebel. It is the strangest thing. So when I try to inject ideas into young people, like, you know, how do you how do you view the world? What do you want to do? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, it's time you think about it. Instead of killing yourself with fentanyl and 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 oxycontin and now heroin, you should think about like what is life about? What are what is the relationship to people? What is, is it important to be famous? Is it, you know, that type of stuff that I think is really at the center of this whole generation of millennials. You deal with them. You've got some of them yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's ridiculous. The fentanyl is, uh, not only is it current in our news, but it's in almost every television show. You've got uh, kids overdosing on the on the on the regular TV, the scripted television show oh really well yeah they're talking about it How, are There's, you watching the wb Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, you know what dude i watch a lot of bad television you don't want to know what i watch but there's a there's a horrible show with um jennifer lopez 
Oh, really? And it's it's some cop show. She's still alive? Yes, she's still alive. Oh, and she, my God. She looks terrible. But the, um, the premise of it last night was there were two kids that had died of fentanyl overdoses. That's so that, that they were, up. And they were 16 years old. And was it and portrayed this, as romantic? No, no, no. The, the cop was really mad. Man, I forget the guy's name. How can I forget his name? He was the guy that was in Goodfellas. What was his name? Oh, you're right, right, right. Ray? Ray Liotta. Ray, Ray, Liotta? Ray Ayota. I forget how to say it. We're not good at this. But yeah, we're not good at celebrities. But that yeah, he's in it with Jennifer Lopez. And it's supposed to be great. But the it was ridiculous. And he went after... The, the drug dealer who was selling the fentanyl because the kids thought they were eating Oxycontin. And it was such a wow, reflection. Wow, that's a pretty current event TV show. <clears throat> well, that's how big it is, is that people know it and it's written into scripts. And he was avenging his daughter's death by going after this guy because his daughter died of a, an opiate overdose. Oh, in yeah. in the story, so it was. Oh, you made it seem like Ray Iota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was feeling sad for him. You're just talking about a horrible television good, show. Good but I get your was point. As good as it got. Good the fellas, point he peaked. At the good point fellas. being that it's Sorry, that it's in the zeitgeist of our society that young people are dying like flies. We're gonna lose probably five percent of millennials. I would believe at this point, they make up. I think. Uh, 10, 11 million people and you're losing 50, 75,000 a year of them. So in 10 years, I mean, if this doesn't stop, if something doesn't get traction. So I started thinking what would help and I've been doing it for a couple of years just sharing my life when I was 19, 20, 22, 24. And one of the things that millennials are very interested in is why I and all my friends had ambition and what is ambition and where do you get it at it's very it's a very important issue which is you know from the time i was 13 or 14 i wanted many things i wanted to live in hollywood i wanted to play music or write movies okay i have a question for you were you doing heroin at that time or were you just like smoking weed and drinking smoking weed and drinking okay this this is a big part of it is because the kids aren't going through that five or 10 years of just drinking and smoking pot before they get into the opiates. Because I think the opiates suck the life out of, obviously, you know, they it sucks suck the life, the out, life of. out of yeah. You know one of, my, one of my kids who is extremely ambitious. Right yes. now, zero ambition at all. Right now, as a matter of fact, I just had to tell him. He, he called, needs to get a job. <laughs> he, well, no, he, he called, he called and, and told me something along the lines of, man, I need a safe place to stay. And I had to do that Al-Anon thing that goes against every bit of my parenting fiber and tell him, you can't stay here. All right. And that's, well, that, that's, now that's hard. another thing that, that the, parents, is so hard. the parents need to, well, here's the thing. Your kid can die at your house at this point with the fentanyl and the heroin and the mixing of fentanyl and heroin and Oxycontin and the way kids take benzos like they're nothing. Um, I, I met a kid the other day on yesterday that takes like 10, 12, 14 benzos a day. And that's not even his, that isn't even what he identifies as his drug of choice. What's his drug of choice? (laughs) Heroin. (laughs) So he needs to re-examine that. When we're living in a world like this, I mean, I could just say, I don't care. And and just cha-ching, 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 some rehab. I do care. 
I can't stand the fact that kids are dying. I can't stand the fact that they're listening to Beyonce and think that's real art. But but the, that's <laughs> beside the Someone's point. Someone's gonna shoot you for that. It's not Big Pharma. <laughs> it's gonna be Jay Z and his thugs. No, I'm not, I have nothing against her. You know her. she's married I like to that her. guy, right? I know, but okay. I like her. I worked on the same my name video. I liked Ooh. Destiny's Child. It was a good band. Bob Forrest, the name dropper. But, I worked with but Beyonce. Come on, come on, come on. I worked in an early sober job working on videos and they and one of the songs was Say My Name by Destiny's Child and I loved that song. I'd never heard it before until I heard it for two days every three minutes. And I got into Destiny's Child. That's a far cry. Those were pop songs. Those are Diana Ross type songs. Those are Motowny type songs. Modern music is just a drum beat and, and a bunch of lyrics that don't really mean anything. If the lyrics meant something, I would care. I guess the Black Lives Matter part of what her album before last. But I just, I find it fascinating that people like Lady Gaga or Beyonce or, or, um, uh, add any of the big superstars that those are popular across the board with the with the indie rock kids with the middle class you know kids and with the popular with the parents it's this weird phenomenon where there is no no particular standpoint from which you are a listener like when I was a kid you were either punk rock or you liked heavy metal or you liked and that that gave you a tribe. What I'm saying is they don't have tribes <clears throat> right. because they all like the same music or they don't really care about music. I was at Coachella last weekend. People don't watch the music. They just walk around in their outfits. They just want to be And they want to take pictures yeah. to put on Facebook, mm. but they're not really experiencing it. And I want to get back to the real. I'm hoping that, you know, Trump can stir up some war and there's some conscription <laughs> so the young people happened, can know what life is really like because we've lived fat and happy for about 20 years here, you know, basically 15 years and, and economics, a downturn war that really wakes people up to the reality of existence. And right now I think America is asleep and particularly the millennials are asleep. No, America is asleep. And I'm so glad you said that. I thought it was an age thing that I was missing the music that I just don't get it. But I do think it's really lacking. I don't see a lot of redeeming anything. And I mean, yes, people couldn't play in this. I, mean, I love the Velvet Underground and not, pro, not, not great musicians and not, you know, but I loved what they did. At least it was real. You know, yeah. and, and I love what was said about them, you know, that their first record only sold a thousand copies, but everyone that bought it started a band. That, that's that's the stuff. I mean, that's what it was about. But you can't aspire to be Beyonce. You can't want to be that because she's not a songwriter. She, I don't get what happens a lot. I really miss it. I, I try not to watch the award shows, but I do. And when I see it, I'm really bummed out. But I think that's a matter of being people being hit over the head with it. It's on their TV. It's on their phones. It's on their, it's in the elevators. It's at the stores. It's, it's everywhere. They're just, they're soaking in it until they, their and body's it's soaking in meaninglessness. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that bothers me. So why not just be high and lay around until you might accidentally OD? There doesn't seem to be any meaning or purpose or following of bliss. What Joseph Campbell calls following a bliss. Then I don't want to seem like some grumpy guy get off my lawn. I, like I say, I just, I think it's sad 
that there's not a huge youth culture. There is a covetous of youth marketing. That's what the mm. baby boomers are doing. They're trying to figure out how do we sell millennials stuff? We figured out how to sell Gen Xers stuff. We certainly invented selling stuff to the baby boomers. <laughs> yeah. How do we sell millennials stuff? And so far, there's an apathy and a lack of, of uh, there's just a lack of, of, of passion, which then that explains why a whole generation was so ripe for the taking by big pharma with Oxycontin and fentanyl and now the cartels with heroin. It's because nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. And so much mattered to me and still does matter to me. Music, I went and saw Father John Misty and I was sitting there watching him sing songs about exactly what I think is going on in America. It's called Pure Comedy, right? His new album. Mm -hmm. And it's just about all this stuff that I sense, that I see, this apathy, this kind of weird kind of consistent uh, pattern of parents and young people liking the same music. That's just culturally wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, that was the running joke that happened with that, um, whatever that horrible uh, dubstep. I said, you know what? It's your generation's job to create music that I don't like. And you guys have done yeah, yeah, this yeah. stuff. You guys succeeded. And it's completely yours. And it's whole. And it sounds angry. But it angry, morphed and into, into a, a popular thing. It became where, a commercial. Where, where I just, I see it. Anyways, Father John Misty has a whole album about the state of America right now. And he was singing it so beautifully as the sun was going down on Coachella. And literally there was about 10,000 people watching. This is the true artist of the moment, singing music about what is happening right now, and people could care less. They were more concerned with, you know, the, the social media phenomena and walking around in their, in their, uh, in their thing, in their outfits that they bought for Coachella. And, and the song is so poignant, this, this pure comedy song. It's about just the apathy and, and just, you oh, know, I, believe. I saw that on SNL, but it was, it was hard for me to look at him because of his hair, his mustache, and the way he dances. I was distracted. <laughs> well, it's very much like Nick Cave. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick Cave Anyways, is different. You, you were superficial, Chuck. That's what I'm starting to realize. This guy is a poet of the now. He has written a masterpiece about the state of America and all you could care about is you didn't like the way he looked. Are you a millennial check? I want to be. <laughs> I care too much. I'd like to care less. But anyway, so I just cared and I was looking at the audience at a certain point and listening to the lyrics he's singing and looking at the audience and he's singing about them. And they didn't, they were not, not even aware of it. It was an amazing moment. And so then that's why I want to get the message out to don't die till you find your passion, I guess, is the message Hasn't of don't die. he been around a while? He was in another band. What band was he in? Oh, he was around. He was, just, well, he was in Polyphonics 3 or one, other, one of those bands from up north. Because that was one of those things where it was a dividing line. Either this guy is crackpot or genius. And I couldn't, I, even though I am maybe superficial, I couldn't make the judgment well, from the SNL you're a, performance. You're a frustrated musician too, so you're not seeing it like, like this guy. I'm, I'm more. I've always been a music fan. Before I was ever a musician, I was a music fan. I never got rid of being a music fan, so I can always just switch hats. To I'm a music fan. 
I'm a musician being critical of somebody's music. And just that he has made an album about what I'm interested in. That I guess that's why he's so magical right now. But I never get caught up in like whether they're hipsters or whatever. I just go for the songs. If the songs are good, I understand why people get hipster outfits for videos because they're pressured and they're young and they don't understand. I was in that position. I had, you know, I had people telling me how to dress and what I should say and that would it was be a, nice a very disillusion it was disillusioning. <laughs> that would he, be great. I think it'd be great if someone laid out my stuff for me and said, this is what you're wearing today. What if it was diametrically opposed to the way you normally dress? That's okay. Not that big <laughs> no. of a deal. Well, then I'll do it. We're going to dress you up. <laughs> We're going to get you hip. We're going to get you the pants that go down like that oh, and all tight and get you some, okay. uh, some what are the, you know, some uh, fancy shoes, cool <laughs> socks. You can go for that whole image. <laughs> I don't know if I can pull I it off. It. But, um, I'm not cool. But anyways, the idea that people are mixing drugs and nobody's informing them not to mix drugs or nobody's really impressing upon them. Maybe they're informed kind of that don't mix benzos and opiates, but they don't care. And that's a very concerning thing. Why would you not care about not breathing? You know what I mean? I always cared. I, always, I wanted to die sometimes, but I always cared. I guess we're getting down to the meaning of existence. Like, I just always thought something good or something fun's going to happen this weekend. I never lost sight of the fact that things might be fucked today. It's Tuesday. But, like, Friday could be awesome. Right. Like, yeah, I might meet some girl or I might, you know, write some song or do something or somebody might make me laugh at something funny or I might discover a new, uh, you know, new album or a new comedian like that. That kind of optimism I've always had. And I think most baby boomers like myself have always had it. Even when we're in dead, hopeless, loveless marriages and we're financially strapped you know, that, that whole generation of, that I grew up with, we lean on each other, tell each other, I'm thinking about killing myself or whatever. And then somebody has, you know, says, well, don't do that. Why don't you just get a divorce? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And be, and we've emotional resilience combined with hope and optimism. We need to teach young people how to have those things because I don't think they have them. Well, you know, the, and uh, how far back do we have to go to get that? Is it like the young people now that are having kids, raise your kids differently than the way you were raised? Allow your children to fail. Allow your children to have down days to be, instead of going, oh, you're sad, hey, get happy. No, it's okay to have a sad day. It's you know, okay to have an know, day. It's okay to have a down day. <laughs> There's a funny thing. So we're admitting bad parenting. We're weird about parenting. <laughs> okay. So you had that problem last night where you had to say, I, you know, you can't stay here. That's with a grown adult, I might remind you. Mm -hmm. um, and about two weeks ago, I was very frustrated with Elvis. And he was in his room over there and he wasn't listening. And I told him what to do, that we had to go and he had to get dressed and he didn't do it. And then I reminded him and then I got very direct with him. And I stood over <laughs> him and I said, get up, turn the computer off and get your clothes on. We have to leave. And he sat there and he said, you're scaring me. And I said, I don't really care if you're scared right now, Elvis. I care that you, I told you two times to get dressed. We're leaving. I said it very nicely at first. Then I said it more firmly. And now I'm upset. So get your clothes and let's go. Whoa. And he, <laughs> he didn't know what to do because no one ever talks to him that way. It's like, 
you know, are you having, you know, that, that nice thick, so you, we're going to have to turn this off now and we're not going to be able to play video games next when we get back now. You understand mm -hmm. that, right? Fuck all that. Get your fucking clothes on. I told you three times. That's what my dad did to me and we all turned out fine, me and my sisters. My kids, who, who, my older kid, who I didn't do that with, you know, it took him years to figure it out. Right. And so that directness that my dad did, if you, if my dad told you two times to do something and you still hadn't done it, you were going to get what Elvis got the other day, right? Anger, very direct, no bullshit, raised voice, and you're going to be scared of that. Why are parents so afraid of having their children scared of authority? I, I, you know, we were told it's wrong. The, the whole, That's why they tell the police to fuck off and get shot and killed. Right. That's why. Right. No, that, that's a problem. This is a, it's a huge, it's a huge problem when you're, I know a lot of people that are, are teachers and the schools aren't getting any better. And this is something that we've been talking about for thousands of years though. Always the next generation is worse, but you've seen the little, the little changes. Like uh, uh, kids don't call me Mr. Davis. They call me Chuck. When I was growing up, we called people by a Mr. and Mrs. in their last name. Not that that's a big deal, but it showed a difference between a five-year-old and a 30-year-old, say, or a 45-year-old and a six-year-old. There is a little bit of difference on the social scale. I'm sorry, but the opinion of the 35-year-old weighs a little heavier than the six-year-old's opinion because the six-year-old doesn't have a clue other than candy but and cartoons. But if parenting is all focused on the six-year-old being nurtured and happy and having, you know, and 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 the center of the universe of the 35 and 40 and let's face it, 56 year olds. 50. Well, I'm 49, I'm, I lied a little bit, I'm not 35. So, well, I have a newborn though at 56, so <laughs> to the, point, the, point being, <laughs> the point being that I think that we threw the baby out with the bathwater as to way, the way we were raised, just threw it all out. And I'm saying parts of the way that I and my friends of my generation were raised was correct. And we threw it away in in exchange for this love, best friend, buddy, nurturing oh, no. oh, kind no, of thing. No. We learned that a long time ago. Is that your kids have plenty of friends. You don't need to be their friend. No, Being parents their are friend all is parents failing. want to be liked. That's failing. Parents you know want I, to be liked by their children. I, have, I don't care what you say. I would have another kid right now. I like my little guy so much. I would have another one today, but my wife had me fixed. No, really? Yeah, to keep me in the yard. It Were works. you asleep? I stay, I stay <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have to she volunteer me, for she that? She took me into the car with some treats. And anyway, long story short, it, yeah, I'm, I've been fixed. Otherwise, I'd do another one right now. I don't care about the money or the time anymore because they're great. Kids are great. Kids don't cost that much. This whole idea of kids, uh, here's, here's what I've realized. Parents want to live a certain way if they're going to have children, Right. But I know a lot of kids that were raised in, in under, you know, tight economic con conditions and turned out great and, and high functioning. So this idea that you have to live in Rancho Cucamonga and have a two-story house and a yard and place where they can ride bikes, you can ride bikes anywhere, right? The other thing mm -hmm. is about safety. And this is where you're going to crucify me, people. So I'm ready. So, you know helmets all the time. I saw two dads, a dad and a son riding and the dad had a helmet on that doesn't fit him or whatever. I, I you know, and all that is like, 
we have to keep the children safe we have to keep the children safe what if they had a brain or you know they fell off a bike and they hit their head and somehow they were paraplegic or whatever except for when they turn 14 and 15 and 16 they're taking dangerous opiates and nobody does anything they just talk to you you know that's not a good idea mm. but the insistence of helmets <clears throat> to ride a bicycle is very absolute but smoking weed at 14 right. is like a buddy buddy thing it's like oh you know smoking weed at 14 is a bad idea because no, it, the brain it's, has it's not legal. developed it can't be bad for you if it's legal well i mean <laughs> come on i'm telling you it's a bad idea uh-huh. now did i do it i had a lot of brain cells to lose but there's a lot of kids around that don't have a lot of brain cells to lose I've had that discussion with people. I said, dude, you're stupid enough. Why would you do that? And, and I know I'm not the, you know, I'm not the smartest guy I know by a long shot, but I've met people and I've gone, dude, you don't have, people do pot to get like you. You don't need to do anymore. <laughs> we, when I smoke pot, it's because I want to feel what to you're feeling your right now. To shrink your frontal lobe? <laughs> just, just, just shrink want, it back. I, I needed mine recessed a little bit. <laughs> it worked out fine. I still have language skills. I'm still pretty sharp. So, but... But there, there is something about this, this uh, car seats and helmets, and I know there's going to be a rash of shit at me about it. Um, you know, <laughs> I just believe that there's something, it's always the progressive side of things. You don't see a lot of Republicans going, we need more bicycle helmets. You know what I mean? So we know what side is pushing the bicycle helmets and all these laws and litigation and rules and blah, 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 right? So... In that philosophy, what's wrong with being a quadriplegic? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? No. So you're saying it's we're all fun. snowflakes and we're all wonderful. So once in a while, if my, if you're riding your bike and you like, what is the odds that you're riding your bike on a, in a very safe area, right? Mm-hmm. What are the odds that you're going to fall and hit your head and become uh, paralyzed? What are the odds of that? Right. Yet, yet, every child in America, Elvis has three helmets out there. Three. Because he didn't like the Monsters, Inc. one anymore because he grew up. So then he wanted a dinosaur one. Then a dinosaur one's lame. Now he wants an adult black one. At six years old, he's aesthetically oriented. So he can't wear a Monsters, Inc. helmet. So now there's three helmets out there. They all cost 30 bucks. That's 100 bucks for fucking helmets. We live in a rural area. What is going to happen if he's riding his bike here? Well, you don't have to make him wear it. It's the law. You can get fucking fined. And let alone the social stigma of you not allowing your child. I've, I let him ride his little rollerblade thing. What are they called? The blade, the scooters? Yeah. It's yeah. At Coachella because it's all grass, right? Uh-huh. Three people as he was riding around said, he, he doesn't have the helmet. I was like, it's fucking grass. What are you talking about? He's on a fucking blade riding around on grass. Yeah. Why do three people feel it's their place in life to come find me, you know, 40 feet away from him to tell me that he doesn't have a helmet on like I don't know that. Aren't they supposed to be free thinkers out there at the music festival? Aren't no, they they're the all fringe? Nazis. There's Nazis <laughs> everywhere on the left more than the right at this point. Oh, no. It's true. If that, well, fascism where mob rule 
right? So you get the mob to agree on well, something. That's, that's, well, that's what I'm trying to do with this Don't Die movement. I want the mob to agree that we can talk to adult young people honestly, bluntly, directly about the dangers of mixing drugs or the dangers of shooting heroin that is laced with fentanyl. That's all I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about whether you need to go to rehab. I don't want to talk about whether you're a good person or a bad person. But I really want to get through to the millennial generation that's dying. It's the leading cause of death of millennials. Opioid overdose death. The leading cause of death. Mm -hmm. Not falling without a helmet. No, that's, no, that doesn't even no, measure in. No, leading cause of death is the mixing of prescription drugs and or the injection of heroin that is laced with fentanyl, right? True. So why don't we go directly to the people doing that and go, hey, don't do that. You want to go to Coachella next year. You want to, there's a whole life for you that if you, whatever it is, if you figure it out that has something that you will enjoy in it instead of enduring. And I, I really believe there's a, there's a difference between enjoying life and overcoming its little uh, difficulties and just looking at life as something you endure. And I, I just don't believe life is just to be endured. I no. believe it's, it's to have fun and, and have sex and play music and go to the movies and have and, adventures, get out there and ride yeah. a bicycle without a helmet, go play football, mud football at the school after it rains. Lots of people got hurt doing that. Lots of us got hurt skateboarding. We had freaking, uh, there was no, I skateboarded every day from the time I was 13 till I was 18. Every day there was no such thing as helmets. No, they made us wear hockey helmets. Eventually the Cooper hockey helmets. Well, I'm way older. Well, no, you're seven years older. <laughs> well, if you were doing pools, I remember the first people I thought I saw doing pools, like Jay Adams had a helmet, but he had that long blonde hair. He was so fucking cool. But when I put it on, I was like, nerdy dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm not against helmets. I'm not against safety, but I do think it's a it's a metaphor for this kind of fascism that we have grown accustomed to this this destruction of anybody that disagrees with the progressive agenda or the trump agenda destroy them they are outside the norm and it's really like brazil the movie brazil that's what i feel like we're living in i don't know it I'm not. it's terry gilliam made this movie called well, brazil it's probably about, good about the future of of the world where uh, everything is about conformity and i believe we're living right now in that era where you either conform or you will be destroyed either socially meaning through social media or litigiously through lawsuits mm -hmm. or just literally physically like in the berkeley free speech movement have you seen that what's going on yeah it's pretty funny so free speech is <clears throat> only for progressives and liberals. <laughs> right, of course. Right? So if you're, if you're uh, you know, I've been a member of the ACLU for 20, 25, 30 years now. And I like the ACLU because they fight the consistent argument fight. It is not influenced by left or right politics. And a lot of times the left doesn't like their stance on things. A lot of times the right doesn't like their stance on things. But it's supposed to be that the ACLU goes in and says, what is the greater good? What is the law? And interprets it, whether it's a Trumper 
or whether it's a, 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 a Black Lives Matter person. They both have the right to speak their minds. This oh, is but, America. But the, the public movement doesn't allow the Trumper to speak. That's what I'm saying. In the free speech movement, you didn't see it in the news no, this morning. No, yeah, I sure did. I, they beat I sh- the shit out of I'm, them. I'm tired. I'm I'm so tired. It's almost like reruns. It's like the same stuff happening over and over and over. And it's not reruns. It's it's news, and it's not. Um, but the so now you, I'm going to be the anti-helmet guy, and mm. people will try to destroy me. Well, you were you were talking about something, and that's because that's in the that's in the psyche of the general public of wear the helmet. They've been told enough times wear the helmet. But we still have moms and dads that say it's okay for their kids to experiment with drugs. You know where okay. I think they should wear helmets? When it just comes to me, I see that you have bolts on there. When I was in high school, I had a friend who was surfing at Bolsa Chica State Beach, right by Jack in the Box, mm-hmm. right? That's... And he dove into the water, broke his neck, and became paralyzed from the waist down. Really great guy, right? Okay. I think all surfers should have to wear helmets and neck braces because one person we know from 40 years ago broke his neck by diving into the bolsa no, right, chica right. water. No, that, That's that, what I'm talking about. And right. and you'll you'll I know that being outspoken about like my kid it should be up to me whether my kid wears a helmet. Mm-hmm. It's not. It should be up to me whether my kid needs to sit in a car seat backwards with me looking at a fucking mirror to see whether mm-hmm. she's awake or not. It should be up to me as the parent, but it's not anymore. It's up to the society, societal norms. And I'm telling you, I've, I've got kids. I've got cars. There's like six car seats all around this property somewhere. The old one of Elvis that we're waiting to put sit in. There's one in Chrissy's car and my car for her backwards. She's now almost at the age where you turn it around so it doesn't fit anymore. They just sell you shit and sell you shit and sell you shit based around all this rules and fascism. I'm, I'm telling you. And, it, and it, to me, I would rather be able to turn and see my daughter's face than have to look in a mirror that rattles around and I can't see whether something's clogging her breathe. If a, if a blanket fell on her or whatever, I have to then stop my car, adjust the mirror to look at her backwards because some asshole decided children should be backwards till they're nine months old or a year old. Right. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to go backwards to see who it was that passed that legislation. Was it Graco? Was it the people that designed the seats? <laughs> I'm sure. Who, I'm sure it was. I mean, who 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 went and lobbied for that? Because why can't no, there just be because, one seat for the entire time that a kid is a kid? And and then why can't why can't we go into prominent neighborhoods and give Narcan intranasal delivery to kids? Because that's not okay. That'll save lives. Putting somebody in a car seat that's backwards and rattling and upside down may cause an accident and do more. Oh, it definitely has caused an accident. I've because I'm obviously irresponsible and a rebel. I have tried to be driving while reaching back and adjusting the mirror. Way to go! You should, were, were you taking a selfie at the same time? I should have taken a selfie of that. Here's the most dangerous dad in America. You know, but but and why bring up these these off seemingly off kind of uh, target kind of ideas is this is the generation that's dying. Never before has a generation died so much. Never before, right? So, so why can't that be all us parents' passion to want to have an honest kind of addressing of this dying of, of drugs 
problem that we have in America because we live in this weird fascism that doesn't allow naloxone. It doesn't allow that talking to kids honestly about their drug use encourages drug use. That if you're a rehab person, you shouldn't be talking about when they return to using. You know, that's the, mm -hmm. I started talking about this 10 years ago. I said, most of you are going to use again. Mm -hmm. Just be very careful because when you enter back into the life of using is when you're, it's most treacherous. And I remember I worked at a hospital and they were like, are you telling people to go use again? I'm saying, no, I said, they're going to, they're most likely going to every statistical data ever about drug treatment has shown that it fails 80 to 90% of the time. So eight or nine of the 10 people you meet in a rehab center that are sober are not going to be sober in a month or two. And mm -hmm. that is critical how they return to active use. And I want them to be aware and be careful and don't be stupid and don't don't, you know, think about whether you're going to shoot heroin by yourself with nobody knowing where you are or what you're doing. You should be aware of that because you might not be ready for sobriety, but are you ready for death? Because death, I guess, is the ultimate sobriety. <laughs> right. Well, I saw the worst. It was the worst <laughs> meme I've seen. And it was on Kurt Cobain's uh, death day where it said, happy 23 years of sobriety, Kurt. <laughs> oh, it's just like you know what I, that's well, horrible but that, yeah it is the <clears throat> ultimate sobriety yeah he's got 23 uh, years the ultimate interference it, the ultimate intervention I guess that's it what is. it is but I really you know there's so many thousands of kids that didn't need to die if somebody would have just told them like be careful it's not it's not a sin to use again most people do why can't we just be honest about it Treatment, stay alive. Stay because, alive so well, you can get back. Well, treatment professionals don't be honest about it because it thinks we're criticizing treatment, right? So, right. so the treatment is useless or worthless. And and 12-step community people are hesitant to give their opinion anymore because it's, it's become so influenced by psychotherapy and buddy-buddy and all that kind of, you know, that kind of weird... It's a weird kind of environment right now in the 12-step world. When I was telling you earlier, when I, was a, when I was not ready for sobriety and I was criticizing AA and I didn't like God and all these kind of things, people from AAs tell me, well, go use. It's fine. There's no sin. Nobody's keeping you here. Nobody, you know, just be careful. But you're not done yet. That's fine. That does not exist anymore. Everybody, we act as if everybody's done because they went to rehab one or two times. Right. And then we talk about the steps all the time, which they don't even have any interest in at all. And so the, just a direct, honest conversation, like, listen, I don't know what your life is going to be like. It's probably, you know, going to be, you know, whatever you make of it, but maybe it's going to be amazing. And why don't you stick around to see whether you get an amazing life, a mediocre life, a shitty life, if you get a shitty life for a few years and then turn around and turn it into a mediocre life, or you just amazingly out of the box kind of have an amazing life and a, and a spiritual awakening and a, and a, and a intellectual transformation, why not fucking stick around for that? You know, see, but that that's weird enough too, though, because my life was so bad when I was drinking and using. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What happened to we're not selling anything? <coughs> what are we selling? 
<laughs> I'm not oh. selling AA. Oh, no. Okay. 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 So, Mike, Mike, the producer, just told us we're not, we're not selling anything. And, you know, and I really don't want to sell anything. But from Mike Mart, the Republican. I heard earlier that he was a Republican. And... Um, I think he. I think I think Mike Martin liked Reagan. Tell you the truth, I think that's what we're talking about. His Reagan tattoo. <laughs> here's the, here's, the way, here's the thing about the old punk rockers. <laughs> it's true. He liked Reagan. <laughs> well, listen. I just want some sort of sanity in our politic. I I I was always the one trying to cause insanity, and there was sanity in our politic, right? Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan were friends. They disagreed on how to achieve things, right? But they were friendly and, and cordial towards one another. Tip O'Neill was right. the head of the Democratic Party, yeah. Reagan the head of the Republicans. They worked together on things. Right now, we're at a point in our politic where you can't even, because of that fascism that I'm talking about, you can't even begin to decide how to solve something with somebody that's on the other side of things. So you get the America that you get. You get a power struggle. You get Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. You'll get another replacement for Ginsburg. You'll have Roe v. Wade overturned. And, and the hatred will not get less. It will get more. Because as the Republicans, what America, I think, wake, woke up to on November 8th was there's a lot of people that don't live in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, Minneapolis, New Orleans. There's a lot of people that don't live in that like-minded stuff that Democrat America believes, right? So, so, so what I see is one issue that we could all kind of get around is we don't want these, this whole, to lose a tenth of a whole generation to drug overdose. And that's why in a couple of weeks, me and Dr. Drew are going to meet with Governor Christie on May 1st. And hopefully mm -hmm. that will lead to discussions with the Trump administration about how to have some united thing from progressives, liberals, conservatives, uh, and everybody in between to, sol to solve this next generation. They're the next generation. Your son and my son are supposed to be taking over here in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. That's crazy. Right. Because by all measurement, I don't think that they're at the, at the point where they even understand how the machine works. Right? You know, that's... that's You're speechless. That, that's so big. I can't <laughs> believe you just hit me with that. That's a big deal. It's a big deal that's that big the millennials deal. are supposed to be running this society in 20 years. And a tenth of them are going to die of drug overdoses. That's a huge deal, That's right? And we have to do something about it. And I don't really care what your politics are. If you're Donald Trump or Doug, Governor Christie or, or Elizabeth Warren, I want to talk to you She's about crazy. how to reduce and educate this population and what to do about it. And I worked in Nevada for a long time, about, from about 10 years ago till about four years ago. And it's a very conservative state. It's a very, very, very conservative state. Mm. And a friend of mine and I were having dinner one night. We had worked together for three years. We had very like-minded ideas about government, about, uh, about society, about parenting. We, had, we really clicked. We were really close. And one night we were having dinner, 
and um, something came up about politics. And I said, can you fucking believe that? And he said, Bob, you know, I think I should clarify with you. You've been assuming that because we agree on so many things that I'm a Democrat and I'm not. I'm a Republican. I've been a Republican my whole life. And it blew my mind because he and I agreed on so much. Right. And he goes, that's how all you L.A. people are. Right. (laughs) Meaning that we in L.A. live in a vacuum echo chamber and we think anybody that agrees with us about anything, whether it's helmets or parenting or or uh, the judicial system and criminality of drug use or alternative sentencing or any of the things that I'm interested in, that anybody that agrees with me obviously must share my political beliefs. And they don't. Hmm. No, no. And it's mind blowing when you start to just become friends with people who are conservative. Right. And I was like, I was like, whoa. And I thought about it for days and weeks like that is so weird. And I retraced conversations we had where we had agreed on so much. But if I would have known he was a Republican, I would have fucking hated him and not wanted to work with him and not wanted to have him. Hurt him. Yeah, not hurt him. And that's a Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco thing that we just all noticed on November 8th. And we have to start working together. So the one thing I think that everybody in this country can agree on, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everyone could agree that we cannot lose 100,000 millennials to drug overdose death in 2018. The way the numbers are trending, it's going to come close to 100,000 next year. It's going to eclipse 60,000 this year. Close to 70, possibly. 70,000 people. Talk to any EMT. Every time I see a paramedic going by, I go, there's another opiate overdose. It ain't grandma fell and she didn't have her fucking contact. What is that thing? A life <laughs> alert. She didn't have a life alert thing. Yeah. It's fucking kids dying of drugs. And so what I want to say to kids and parents, let's be honest. <laughs> let's uh, <There> it is. <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, not mix benzos and opiates. It's a bad combo. And let's be careful when you're shooting the heroin, kids. Be careful alone, when you're please. shooting the heroin. Um it's it's very dangerous. That's all. You, you got anything to say? No, I, I think you've covered it. We, we covered helmets, right? Helmets. Yeah, <laughs> let's get some emails <laughs> to uh, rehabbob.com about my uh, my resistance towards helmets. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Fuck fascism. All right, don't die, kids. See you later. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.